Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you have chosen to click play on this podcast. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope today's talk encourages you. Well, welcome everybody to The Forge. Uh, Again, my name is Johnny. I'm the location leader at I. And welcome for the last time this series to Wonderland. I want to start today with a story all to do with opera. In fact, I want to start today with a story about Dr. Alfred Tomatis, who wasn't himself an opera singer, but his father was. In fact, his grandfather was as well. They were both really good opera singers. And so they were hoping that Dr. Alfred Tomatis would also become an opera singer, but it was quickly apparent from an early age that he wasn't going to be able to quite cut the mustard in the same way as his father and his grandfather. And so, like any good parent would do, they then shipped him off to Paris to become a doctor. And a doctor he did become. In fact, he became a doctor uh, of the throat, of the voice, uh, of the ears, and also of the, uh, the nose. And he became quite a good doctor, and as he grew up, many of his clients were the people and the connections that he made as a child when he was in and around these opera singers. In fact, his father often sent him clients as well. Many of these clients had very similar issues, very similar issues. It was often the case that these opera singers would come in and they would say, there were notes that I was once able to hit, and now I can't hit them anymore. I mean, they're in my range. I can sing higher than these notes, and I can sing lower than these notes. But the notes I was once able to hit, I now just can't hit, and it's sort of a bit of a mystery. And many of these opera singers had exactly the same problem, and all of the doctors said exactly the same thing. They said, ah, the problem is a vocal problem. It's a vocal problem. You see, we don't know what it is. We can't work it out. But for some reason, your voice isn't acting in the way that it should. And Dr. Tomatis said, no, 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 no. This is not a vocal problem. This is a hearing problem. It's a hearing problem. You see, an opera singer, they can sing at 100 decibels. 100 decibels at 3,000 hertz. That's similar to a jet taking off just about 350 meters away. Incredibly loud. Now consider for a moment that it's probably louder in an opera singer's head. What Dr. Tomatis realized is these opera singers had probably deafened themselves within the middle ear. And he concluded this, that the voice can't reproduce while the ear can't hear. The voice can't reproduce what the ear can't hear. These opera singers, they couldn't hear what they were singing anymore. And so the notes they were trying to hit weren't quite cutting it. The voice can't reproduce what the ear can't hear. And this principle that Dr. Tomatis came up with, I think is part of an answer that I think most Christians and most people exploring faith will at some point ask. They will be wandering around Wonderland and they will be wondering, how can I have faith? How can I have faith in a God? of whom doesn't ever seem to really speak to me? How can I have faith in a God that never really seems to speak? How can I have trust in a God? How can I follow a God? How can I share about a God? How can I pray to a God who never ever seems to speak to me? And if I can be so bold, I think that this principle might help us a little bit. But think about it. I imagine that all of us at some point have asked that question in some capacity, maybe a really dark time in life or in somebody else's life. Whether it was a time of anxiety or redundancy or failed pregnancy, whether it was a time of depression or sickness uh, or some catastrophe going on. And you might think, God, where are you right now? I mean, if I was God in this moment, if there was one time I would decide to utilize my voice and speak to you and let you know that I'm here and I'm with you and I'm, I'm there, surely that moment would have been then. And not just then, but what about now? I mean, if God really cared for me, why can't I hear God's voice speaking now? 
And, and really, if, I mean, based on the, the experience of my past and the evidence of my present, can I really be trusting God with my future? Where is this God? I have a friend, um, uh, one of my best friends, and he came to me recently. He said, Johnny, in the past year, I've had maybe three or four conversations with young adults all around faith, all Christians, and they would say, yeah, but God doesn't really speak to us. I mean, you can't really have a walking, talking relationship with God. I mean, that's crazy. No one really has that. And I was speaking to my friend, I was like, when we open up the stories, when we open up the stories, God's stories in this library that we call the Bible throughout history, there are time and time again where God seems to speak to his people. And we just sit there and think, how have we got to this point where we really genuinely don't believe that God can't speak to us? And we wonder with this question, we're left with this question, how am I supposed to have faith in a God who doesn't ever really seem to speak to me? How are you supposed to have a faith in a God who doesn't ever really seem to speak to you? And whilst we're wondering, I think that Christians often have an answer to this question. They often, you may have heard this answer to a question. And before I get into it, a quick caveat, I don't think this is a bad answer. In fact, I think there's a good truth to this answer. But I think that the answer they give is almost a little bit inadequate, or at least not complete. The answer that many people give to this question is they should pray more and they should read the Bible more. Pray more and read the Bible more. Pray more, read the Bible more. If you're not praying, if you're not reading the Bible, then of course you're not gonna hear from God. And I think there is a truth to this. In fact, for many of us right now, there'll be struggles, there'll be stuff going on in our lives. There'll be a silence that we might hear and we think, oh man, where is God, where is God? And actually, if we gave these things a go, if we really tried to put ourselves in a position where we could try and communicate to God and give him some of those burdens. And we spoke about prayer not so long ago, uh, last series in the Seven Story series. You can go back and watch it about the Midnight Visitor. We talked about prayer there, or even reading the Bible. And you may have heard that before, and you think, I don't really know where to start or what to do with that. But actually, this is a way in which God speaks to his people. I think these things are good things. But I think they can almost be incomplete things. And this is why. I think the first problem with this answer of, oh my gosh, I can't hear God. Where is God? Where is God? Where is God? The first problem I think we find is that when we just say, pray more, read the Bible more, pray more, read the Bible more, pray more, read the Bible more, is it often becomes a checklist. It becomes something that if we tick off, God's going to like us. And if we don't tick it off, God's going to be a little bit upset with us. And we're not going to be the good faith uh, seeker that we want to be. And they become a checklist. And these things are the furthest thing away from whatever God intended to be a checklist. These were things in which this loving God, a father God, wanted to come down close to and speak to us with. And when we become it, to take it and become, uh, make it become a checklist, all of a sudden, they lose the meaning that they were always intended to have. I mean, think about this in terms of a relationship or a marriage. I mean, if you had a marriage and your whole communication was built on a checklist of things to do, of once a week or twice a week or three times a week, I've just got to do this thing and that thing, I'm just going to tick it off the list. I mean, what's going to happen to that marriage? I mean, when you treat those things and those duties in a relationship like a checklist, it loses all sense of power and purpose and communication breaks down and, and maybe some of you have even been in marriages where there, there's that comment that's made that says, you never really seem to listen to me or you never really seem to speak to me and, and there might be that question going on in your head thinking, of course I listen to you, of course I speak to you. And actually, that's not really what's meant. It's like, actually, no, there's never, there's this intimacy that's just sort of dissipated. 
I think the second problem that we have when we only answer that question, how can I have faith in a God who never really seems to speak to me, is that this is only one way, one small part of God's infinite vocal range that he wants for us to experience. I mean, it would be a little bit like this. I mean, the way that I want to try and communicate a little bit today is by offering a better way another way, a broader way that includes these two things in the way that they were always intended to have or to be. But what I want to do is offer a way that seems to be a bit more far complete, and it works on a principle. I'm going to get to the principle in a second, but it goes alongside this idea that Dr. Tomatis says, that the voice can't replicate what the ears can't hear. The voice can't replicate what the ears can't hear. And to do this, I want to give an example of perhaps one of our favorite childhood games, Simon Says. Anyone called Simon here? Ah, uh, good one, Simon didn't say. Is there any Simons here? Good one. Let's quickly get, play a game, Simon Says. Simon Says, put your hand in the air. Good. Simon Says, point to yourself. Simon Says, do a little love heart with your fingers. Simon Says, point to the front. Ah, oh, that's very nice. Thank you very much. Simon Says. But what if we played a game of Simon Says? What if we played a game of Simon Says where I put up a giant soundproof glass barrier between me and you? And we started to play, Simon Says, and I started playing, I went. I mean, you'd be sitting there thinking, well, we're never going to be able to play this game because I can't replicate what my ears don't hear. My voice, my actions can't replicate what the ears can't hear. And I would be so bold to think, this is what we've done with God a little bit. I think we have deafened ourselves to the voice of God by putting things in the way of it, when in reality, what really God wants to do is for us to create space in which he can fill. Here is the principle. When you intentionally create space, God will fill it. When you intentionally create space, God will fill it. And it's a little bit like this. It's like we have uh, our lives, and Helen's going to help me in just a second. It's like we have our lives and we have a little space here. And what we do is we fill it with really important things. But before we realize, things can get incredibly out of control. I mean, first of all, we have the family. We have the family, we have the wife, we have the kids, we have the husband, we have uh, grandmas and granddads we've got to look after, and we've got to try and fit eight hours sleep in. But for goodness sake, if you're a parent, let's be conservative, maybe only three hours space. And then as well as that, of course, we've got our workout regime that we've been promising to do since January. And then all of a sudden... Oh, what comes in as well? Oh, there's the job. There's the job and the extra hours and the thing that goes along with that and the, uh, the boss who's always on our back, the never-ending emails that seem to come in one after another, after another, after another. And then, of course, there's the Netflix documentary. The Netflix documentary that everyone's been talking about, everyone's seen, and it's like, and ever someone starts to talk about it, I've got to block my ears up because someone in the office might tell you what happens and it's like the worst thing ever, so I've got to try and make room for the Netflix documentary. Oh, and then, of course, there's the flipping housework and the garden work and the hoovering and they've just made another mess that I've just flipping clear up and then that's not a passive aggressive thing to my housemates but then of course if there's just a spare moment just to sit down and go through of course the beloved Twitter Facebook Instagram put your favorite social media here Google Plus of your if you're of a certain age and then of course we have oh there's the exam that I've got to revise for the thing that I've got to study for and study for and study for the thing that I'm going to be assessed by and I haven't even started to revise about it and then there's that project that I've been meaning to do for so long the project that was really going to supposed to give me energy and fulfill me and, and then there was going to be that thing there and then oh my word before we know it there's the flipping church rotor the church rotor which is probably okay because if I get in the morning if I rush off I can probably see that friend that I haven't seen for ages and then on the way I can listen to the radio or the podcast that thing that I was supposed to be listening to and really wanted to kill us to and then there's those birthdays I forgot about the wedding the wedding that I'm supposed to get to and for goodness sake why doesn't God speak to me what we do 
in the space that we're given, we fill it with good things. We fill it with good things, but we fill it. And with our lives and with this busyness and with this routine production, we fill up the gap and it's like this barrier. And so when God is trying to speak to us, we become deaf to the voice of God. And it is impossible for our voice to replicate what our ears don't hear. It's impossible for us to replicate what our ears don't hear. And so I want to offer a principle to us today. And the principle is this. Instead of when we get into this idea of why isn't God speaking to me? Why isn't God speaking to me? What if the answer wasn't just be a little bit more disciplined over two things? What if spiritual discipline, as a phrase maybe you've heard before, has a far greater aspect to it? What if spiritual discipline looked far more about creating space? Creating space in our lives. Because when we intentionally create space, God will fill it. There are examples all the way through God's story around this when you look through the library that we call the Bible. I mean, even think about the kid's story, Noah's Ark. It's a great example. What does God ask Moses to do? Effectively, he asks him to make a space. Intentionally create a space, and then what does God do? He fills it. And then later on with the Israelites, they, uh, they grow and they grow and they grow and they sort of escape from Egypt. And then what does God ask them to do? He asks them to create a space and they call it the tabernacle and they walk around with it everywhere. And God's promise is that when you build the tabernacle, I'm going to come into this space and I'm going to fill it. And then they go out into the wilderness, this vast expansive space. And it's during these 40 years that God's people truly learn who their God is. And then they enter a promised land, a space in which God has prepared for them, of which God is going to fill. And whilst they're in the promised land, what do they do? They create a temple for God, a bigger tabernacle. And there's this great passage um, in the book of Kings where effectively God promises them, says, listen, within this temple, when you worship me, I'm going to fill this space. When we read the Psalms of David, and David, where does he write his psalms from? He writes them from a place of space, not a busy production of work. He writes them when he's sitting in the fields with sheep and nothing else but pastures. Or perhaps when he's in a cave, another space alone in a cause of desperation, shouting out to God saying, listen, God, I'm in this space I don't want to be in. God, will you fill it? And maybe it's the story of Elijah. I love this story when Elijah's told to go up to a mountaintop to meet with God. And I mean, if God tells you to go up to a mountaintop to meet with him, it can be a pretty daunting task. But he does, and he stands there, and there are these events that's going on, these massive events. I mean, there's this wind that comes past and knocks some of the rocks down. There's an earthquake that rumbles the whole mountain. There's a fire that breaks up, and after each time, the writer says, listen, God went through in that way, but he didn't speak through the wind. He didn't speak through the earthquake. He didn't speak through the fire. But then came a low whisper in the space that God called Elijah to. And just pausing on that moment for a second, why is it? Why is it that our God chooses to speak in whispers? I like to think because a whisper is some of the most personal things you could possibly say. Think about some of the most important things you could ever say to your child. And imagine what it is uh, that you say. And actually, how often do you whisper those things? I love you. You've got this. Good night. Sleep well. I believe in you. It's those whispers, the low whispers that God speaks through that have the most weight. And what we do is we cover up those whispers with stuff, good stuff that God can speak to. But we fail to make the space. One of the things that I think that... Um, 
Now, one of the places that I think we see this really evidently is right at the very beginning, right at the very beginning of the story of God through the book of Genesis in chapter one. I love the creation story, absolutely love it. Uh, There's a whole bunch of different things you can get out of it and all of its complexity and beauty and creativity. But actually, when we look at it, we call it about the creation story. If I could be so bold, I don't think there's actually much creating in it. I mean, stick with me for a moment. I want to give a quick summary of what it means, uh, of what it says in Genesis 1. I mean, day one, we see a whole bunch of separation. Day one, we see the separation from light and dark. Day two, we see the separation uh, of waters below and uh, and sky above. Day three, we see the separation of land and sea. God doesn't actually do much creating. He does an awful lot of separating. Separate, separate. Three days of separating. And then what does God do in the next three days? He then does a lot of filling, Filling. Day four, he fills the light uh, and the dark with sun, moon, and stars. He then fills the waters below and the waters above with birds and fish. He then fills the land with creatures and people. And we see this brilliant parallel, this brilliant parallel where we see separation and we see filling. And you know what? Afterwards, there's one space left. There's a space where God just rests and does nothing. And I mean, we might look at that and think, well, that doesn't seem like God. Like God resting, that's a weird thing. Like it doesn't seem to make sense. But I think what God does is he offers us a principle here. He says, here are three spaces, uh, here are four spaces. I'm gonna three fill of them, three fill three of them and leave one left over. I'm gonna fill three of them and leave one left over. What do we do when we get three spaces? Great, I've got eight things. (laughs) And some of you are looking at partners right now, being like, yeah, that's you. If you have four spaces, fill it with three things and leave one left over. Now consider for a moment who the writer was writing to in this moment. They were writing to Israelites who were walking out of Egypt. These were the first people to hear these stories. And as they're walking out of Egypt, they would have just come from a place where they were what? They were slaves. And what were they doing as slaves? They were making bricks. Now consider this. How many days off does a slave get? Zero. And if they couldn't make the bricks that the Egyptians were making them do, imagine what would have happened to them. Imagine what would have happened to their families or their children. Their whole identity as people was wrapped up in this idea of how many bricks can you make? How many bricks can you make? How many bricks can you make? And this idea of constant production, constant filling, constant filling. And as they were walking out of Egypt, hearing these stories, I imagine tears rolling down the Israelites' faces as they were told, listen, the God of you, uh, you uh, the God that we are going to worship, the God who is real, the God who brought you out of that place is a God who values more than just what you do, but a God who values just space. A God who wants to bring you into a place where you can just stop and be in front of God. When you intentionally create space, God will fill it. So what I want to do, as we sort of come closer to an end, is I want to give you 12 different ways in which you can create space. 12 different ways. You've actually got them in your seat, so you can take them home. My suggestion here isn't you take these 12 and think, how am I going to do all of these 12? Because you'll end up doing none. What I want to suggest that you do is that you just pick three and you commit with a friend to do three over the next three months. Just see how it goes for you. Because when you intentionally create space, God will intentionally fill it for you. When you intentionally create space amongst these things and through these things, not in spite of these things, God will fill it. And so I want to go through some of them now. This isn't an exclusive list. You might have some more that you want to add to it. Uh, These are some that I've sort of picked out and thought, okay, well, there's examples of that throughout the Bible. You won't find in the Bible an exact exclusive 12 list things of making space. You won't find it. It's not there. But these things, I do think, are principles that you can find through God's story. So number one is this, solitude. 
And when I say solitude, I don't mean just sitting down and watching TV by yourself or sitting down and reading a book by yourself. I mean, those things are great things to do and God might speak through those things when you intentionally give it space for God. But actually, solitude, when was the last time you sat down and did absolutely nothing for more than half an hour? Those of you with kids are looking at me with horrible glares. But genuinely, I was challenged to do this for eight hours. I didn't do it for eight hours. I aimed for one hour, and I ended up managing four hours. Four hours. For the first hour, I probably checked my phone for the time. I put it on airplane mode so I wouldn't get distracted with anything else. But I checked the time probably four or five times, nothing. Second hour started just to feel an unwinding I hadn't really experienced in a while. Third hour, all of a sudden, the faint whispers of God. I started to think about my life. I started to think about, okay, what is it that God really wants me to understand and know? And in the fourth hour, I mean, God revealed things about how I operate, which I've never really considered before. Things around how I operate with my siblings and how I've grown up have operated predominantly in two areas of jealousy and pride. Two areas. And sitting down in this space with nothing by this lake, with nothing but lunch and a Bible, it was like God started to speak again. When you intentionally create space, God will fill it. Number two is generosity. Generosity. Generosity can be a spiritual discipline. If you create a space, if you create margin in finance and, or whatever it is you want to be generous with and say, what would it look like if this month I was incredibly generous? What would it look like if I, whenever I walked past someone in the street and they asked me for money, even if I didn't have money in my pocket, I went to the nearest cash machine and I'm not even going to ask what they need it for. I'm just going to give it to them. I mean, what would it look like if we put in a separate bank account money specifically so we could be extravagant one day to somebody? I mean, I share this story not because I want to be prideful about it, but genuinely uh, because there are far more moments in my life of greed than there are generosity. But there have been two times in my life where God has spoken phenomenally through giving more than I ever thought I could possibly give. Two moments where I thought, okay, well, I've got this and I could spend it on this. And I mean, I don't really have this much before. But when I was challenged to give it away, God spoke profoundly about what value means profoundly about what I mean to him and actually where finances play a part in my life. Generosity can be a great space in which God can fill. Number three, maybe submission. We don't think of submission as a spiritual discipline, but there are whole points within the Bible uh, throughout the letters that Paul writes, uh, through how Jesus operates throughout the Old Testament, where it says, listen, when you submit to an authority given to you, God will work in that space through you. If I can be so bold at this time in politics, some of you need to start loving MPs a lot more. We laugh, I'm serious. Some of us need to honor MPs a lot more. Some of us need to honor Labour and Tory or Lib Dem or however you vote, Brexit Party or not Brexit Party. We need to honor people a lot more. And through this space, God is going to example through us what it means to be a loving people. God is going to start speaking to you in perhaps a way that you didn't think he could speak before. Number, f uh, number five, um, a celebra uh, sorry, four, I've just missed five. Four, gratitude. Gratitude. What would it look like if you create the space in your week where you were going to thank 10 people a day? It's harder than you think. 10 people a day, God will start speaking through you and, uh, and, and speaking to you about the things that God has given you. Number five, celebration. This is one of my favorites, obviously, because it's celebration. We often talk about depriving ourselves as Christians of fasting, of everything else. There are whole points within the Bible throughout God's story where he says, listen, to celebrate, uh, when you are uh, reminded yourself of something, I want you to celebrate it every year. 
And he often puts feasts to thing. A lot of God's commands is telling people to have feasts over different things. What would it look like for you if you were intentionally going to buy the best bottle of wine and the best possible steak and the best possible meal, invite people over to celebrate something that normally you would skip completely over? What anniversaries are there that normally you wouldn't normally celebrate? Number six, on the back of that, fasting. If you can go a day without food, if you can go a day without food, I promise you, you'll think about food a lot in the day that you don't eat food. And every time you think of that, just remind yourself, God, I'm trusting you, I'm relying on you. And it's in those spaces that God speaks to you. Earlier this year, I tried to do this and I had a, a, a fast and it was like, I went so hungry like after the first breakfast that I missed. But I was sitting there and I was like, God, like every time my tummy rumbles, I'm just reminded of you're the one I really need here. And I'm reminded of the times where, where actually I really couldn't have gone through that without you. Fasting is a physical reminder of a spiritual truth of who we really need to rely on. Seven, memorization. So often we try and get through the Bible. What would it look like if you tried to get the Bible through you? What would it look like if you sat down and thought, instead of committing to reading a whole book of the Bible that I don't really understand, I'm just going to find five verses that seem to speak to me on maybe the Bible reading app that, um, uh, that you can download from the app store, uh, or maybe one that I've heard from church or from a friend or have known before. And I'm just going to try and memorize it. You'll be surprised at how God uses that um, through you when you go and live, when there's something where that verse needs to be pulled back from your memory. You'll be amazed at how God speaks through it. Number eight, simplicity. Simplicity. There are so many things in our world that we can complexify our life with, whether it's the best clothes or the best car or trying to get from place to place as quickly as possible. What would it look like if instead of the drive to work this morning, you intentionally gave more time to walk and just have space? What would it look like if instead of buying the designer clothes, you intentionally simplified your life and you reminded yourself of what God gives you? You'll be amazed, even through these ridiculous things, you think, how's God going to speak through that? But it's ultimately creating space intentionally that God is going to fill. Number nine, this is one of my favorite, contemplative prayer. When you pray, it's so often to try and reel off as many things as possible, but what would it look like for you if you reminded yourselves of truths? Maybe pick three things about God that you love and sit down and repeat them a hundred times. Maybe for 10 minutes, just sitting down. God, you're my shelter. You're my fortress. You're my protector. God, you are my shelter. You are my fortress. You are my protector. God, you are my shelter. You're my fortress, my protector. And every time you say it, it's like each one gets ingrained more and you recognize the areas in your life where God has sheltered you, protected you, and been a fortress for you. Number 10, fixed hour prayer. What would it look like if you every day set an alarm on your phone so that 10 minutes when it went off, you went to the toilet or went away or got somewhere alone and just decided to pray every day and you decided to create that space? 11, what would it look like if you journaled? If you journaled, so often it can be the case that we recognize the things that God is doing in the past. When we look back on it, the best sports teams, the best sports teams, what they do is they review their whole games just after they've played them. There's a story of Pep Guardiola, the Manchester City manager, when he was managing a team called Barcelona. And the night before, he was watching the team. He watched the whole game three times. And at midnight, he called up their star striker and told him to come into the office. And so Lionel Messi, the best striker in the world, um, came to the office. And Pep Guardiola pointed out a flaw in the other team's technique. And the next day, Lionel Messi scored a hat-trick and probably thought, couldn't it wait until the morning? What would it look like if you journaled, if you reminded yourselves of what is happening each day where you start to see the answers to prayer that you've been praying? What would it look like if you created a physical space? 
Or maybe number 12, maybe there's things in the calendar that you need to start celebrating or recognizing. Christians are good at this normally. Maybe whether it's through Christmas or Easter or Pancake Day or whatever. What are the funny events in the calendar, maybe locally even, that you can look at and think, what would it look like if we put special effort into that and put a special dedication of creating a space within that in which God can speak to us? The voice can't replicate what the ear can't hear. The voice can't replicate what the ear can't hear. And when we barrage our lives and deafen ourselves to the voice of God, we become like an opera singer who no longer can hit the notes that we wanted to hit. God wants to speak to you. God wants to speak to you. And when you intentionally create the space to God, for God, God will fill it. What I want us to do as we come to a close of our service is I want us to stand um, now. And just for a moment... I want us to do this. And maybe if you're uh, someone who's new to church or exploring faith, uh, a quick caveat, I don't want to brainwash anyone. This isn't, I'm not good enough for that. If I was, I'd use it for far funner things. Um, this is just a time where you can use the space for however you want to use it. But what I want us to do is just create a space which perhaps God wants to fill. So often Sundays can be so full of stuff and then we get out afterwards and we've got Sunday lunch to prepare and people are coming over and everything else. I've got to check those emails, blah, blah, blah. What would it look like if just for the next five minutes we just offer this space to God? We're going to do a bit of contemplative prayer and I'm going to speak over us. And so just now, can we just close our eyes? And if you feel comfortable doing so, maybe just put your hands out to each side as just a sign, just a sign of what God, uh, uh, just a sign of wanting to receive from God. Some of us haven't stopped in a long time. Some of us, our lives are filled with boxes. And so, Lord, we invite you right now to come and speak to us. Lord, for some of us, with the turmoil we're facing inside, would you bring a peace to us now? Holy Spirit, if there's a word that we need to hear, would you speak to us now? Holy Spirit, if there is something in which you want us to do, would you reveal to us now what that is? If there's something you want to tell us or remind us, would you remind us of us uh, that now? Father, you are our fortress. You are our shelter. You are our provider. Father, you are our fortress. You are our shelter. You are our provider. Lord, you promise to be our fortress. You promise to be our shelter. You promise to be our provider. Father, reveal in our lives the times where you've been our fortress times where you've kept us safe. Lord, reveal to us again where you have been our shelter, where you've protected us from the things from above coming down and falling on us at such a rate. Lord, remind us of when you have been our provider. You are our fortress. You are our shelter. You are a provider.
you are our fortress, our shelter, our provider. Some of us, we've just been in a time of such production, like a slave of Israel where every day is something going on. And this is a time where God wants to draw us back and tell us that we need to start creating more space in our lives. Continue to stand, Lord, would you speak to us? You are our fortress. You are our shelter. You are our provider. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so please check us out on social media at Forge Church and check out our website, forgechurch.com, where you can give financially, watch new content and see any details of events we have going on here at The Forge. See you next week.